I'm Avery Smith of the Rock Candy Podcast Network, and you're listening to Blessed Are the Binary Breakers, a multi-faith podcast of transgender stories. Before diving into this month's episode, I want to invite you to share your story for a future episode. I'm currently going through the process of getting my name legally changed, finally, so it's got me thinking about the beauty of changing our names. So I'm putting together a special episode that will feature any faith-related name change stories that got submitted to me by September 15th, 2021. Whatever your religion or gender, if you've ever changed any part of your name and have a story about how faith interacted with that change, I would love to hear it. Maybe your faith community performed a ceremony to welcome you in with your new name. Or you named yourself after a figure with spiritual resonance for you. Or maybe a god spoke to you and gifted you your name. Perhaps you've formed some specific theology around the concept of name-changing that you want to share. That is super welcome, too. Feel free to get creative with your submission. It can be straight-up narrative, or you can send me a poem, a song, a prayer, whatever. You can submit your story as an audio recording that I'll put into the episode, or you can write it out and I'll read it aloud for you. The submission can be as short as 30 seconds or a brief paragraph, or as long as 10 minutes or so. Feel free to use a pseudonym or remain anonymous, or to use your real name. And share or withhold any other identifying info like country, age, etc. at your own discretion. Email your submission or any questions you have to queerlychristian36 at gmail.com by September 15th. Now that that's out of the way, let me introduce this month's guest, Azura Rose. Azura and I talked all the way back in April, and I learned so much from them about Satanism, sex work, and other awesome stuff. I hope you find our conversation as informative as I did. And if you reach the end of this episode with a desire to learn even more about Satanism, I peppered links throughout the transcript to this episode that you can check out. You can also go straight to thesatanictemple.com. And if you are interested in learning more about why it is so important to decriminalize sex work, I'll include a few links in the episode show notes on that. Without further ado, let's join Azura in conversation right after you hear about another show on the Rock Candy Podcast Network called Sacred Tension, which is hosted by Stephen Bradford Long, who is actually the one who got me in contact with Azura. 
Hi, my name is Stephen Long, and I host a show here on Rock Candy called Sacred Tension. It's about the spiritual discipline of asking questions. If you find yourself uncomfortable in your faith, or if you find yourself caught between modern science and ancient religion, or if you're curious about the journeys of others who are sorting out faith and doubt, Sacred Tension is a place where nothing is off limits. You will find conversations with pastors, cult experts, spiritual leaders, and skeptics, all discussing the ways we navigate the faiths we were Given. Find Sacred Tension right here on Rock Candy and wherever you listen to podcasts. My name is Azura Rose. Uh, I am 30. Uh, my pronouns are they, she, and I live in Toronto. And my interests, I guess, I do most of them for a living. So I do cosplay and alternative modeling, fetish modeling, and I'm a sex worker. So that is kind of my like professional background. I also am very interested in like disability rights and sex worker rights stuff, um, video games, music, but I, I, I'm a very weird person in that like people always ask me what genre I listen to. I'm like, I don't know. I listen to like four bands, but I listen to every song. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So that's, that's where I'm at. And I have a lot of taxidermy just that way. So. Oh, that's so cool. Oh my gosh. So I feel like there's so many places we could go because you just named so many awesome things. And just to make sure you're cool with sort of like talking about any of those topics. Yeah, yeah. Anything's cool. It's awesome. I'm definitely interested in like how how you discovered Satanism, assuming that you weren't born into it. Yeah. So my mom is like a Protestant Christian, but she like doesn't go to church or anything. She just kind of loosely believes in Jesus and Right. Likes Christian stuff, but she never pushed it on me or anything. And my dad's a Freemason. Oh. So he just, he has beliefs, but he, um, most of my childhood didn't really want to talk about them because Freemasons are very private about stuff. Right. Um, and we've talked a lot more recently, but obviously it's stuff for him to share. But, um, he raised me to like believe in science and like no question was off, off limits for me to ask about like at dinner like we had political conversations about abortion when I was like six or seven Mm. like as soon as 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 soon as I had a question about where kids came from they answered me immediately um and as soon as I had a question about like okay well what what happens when like people don't want kids and stuff like that they immediately answered wow um so I had that as a kind of privilege growing up but um, we were in a very small town that was very conservative and very Christian. Mm-hmm. So I had been basically kind of default atheist as a little kid because science just seemed to be the answer to things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that resulted in a lot of like extreme bullying at school. Yeah. A lot of kids who wouldn't hang out with me because they thought they would go to hell if they talked to me. Uh, kids who screamed at me and told me I was going to hell. The one situation that kind of made it all hit home the hardest was um, my grandfather died when I was 10 or 11. And I, I always had like really good attendance because my mom was of the opinion that if you're not throwing up, you're healthy enough to go to school, which (laughs) no, but um, but I had really great attendance. So like the first time I'd actually not gone to school that year was to miss school to go to the funeral. And then when I came back the next day, none of my friends would talk to me because a religious kid told them, that they were all going to go to hell and they had to save my soul. So yeah, I came back from a funeral to 
no friends. Wow. And just people following me around the schoolyard, like screaming Bible verses at me. Wow. And we were 11. Yeah. So like, that's kind of when I, I went from just being like, I don't really care. I don't believe in anything to like being like very traumatized by church. Yeah. Especially like the, the funeral itself was very weird because I'd never been in a church before. Mm -hmm. Um, so having those back to back was very hard on me. Um, and then my grandmother died two years later and my dad was like, Hey, so you've dealt with like two deaths. You're like struggling with religious stuff right now. So he, um, encouraged me to look into a lot of different religions Mm -hmm. just to see what I believed in. He wasn't like pushing me any one particular way. He was just like, you should look into things. And if it's atheism, it's atheism, but like, you should look into stuff and be curious. And I found a website way back in the in the old old internet. Um, it was <laughs> called uh, religioustolerance.org, and it just had like a list of religions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the two religions I looked at that kind of made sense to me were Satanism and Wicca. Mm. Wicca because it seemed to fit with my scientific mind and my love of nature, and Satanism because it very much appealed to my very angry about how Christians treat me yes. and yeah. my distrust of authority that I built over time. I also have like a history of child abuse, which I won't go into too many details, but it definitely taught me to like not trust arbitrary authority. But then when I looked deeper into Satanism back then, all that there was was information on LeVay and the like, oh, if someone annoys you, destroy them stuff just struck me uh, as like, oh, this hmm. just sounds like bullies. I don't... <laughs> I don't want to rebel against bullies by being a bully. So I ended up being Wiccan for a couple of years in high school. And then when I went to university, I got more into metal music and Cradle of Filth specifically. And then right after I got into Cradle of Filth, they came out with a concept album about Lilith. So I made my like, my eclectic Wiccan, like God and Goddess ended up being Lilith and Lucifer. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I eventually just sort of got disenfranchised with Wicca and just had my own like independent, like satanic witchcraft thing going i found like revolt of angels on my own somehow i really loved that book and then yeah when tst started being a thing in the news and stuff i was like yeah this sounds like my people and went to a coffee meeting and immediately was just like yeah no this is this is exactly what i already believe and there's a community and that's awesome and and tst is the the satanic temple is that what that is yeah okay yeah yeah if you wouldn't mind explaining what um, the Satanic Temple is versus what was the uh, Levee? Yeah, and Levee. If you wanted to sort of explain the differences for people. Yeah, absolutely. So um, a lot of what people think about when they hear modern Satanism is usually Anton Levee. Um, he wrote the Satanic Bible in I think the '60s, and his is a very like libertarian, more right wing version of Satanism. Oh, huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, it seems a little weird, but it arose out of like in the same context as like the hippie movement and stuff. Um, uh, yeah, okay. so it was sort of a counter counterculture. Mm. But there's also a lot of um, like the the moral the moral majority was a big thing then. So it was very very focused on like individual rights versus like mm-hmm. social responsibility, which in the context of the time makes complete sense. Um, so yeah, I like, I understand it historically, but in like the wider history of satanic thought is kind of a bit more of an anomaly. 
whereas TST derives a lot of its influence from pre-Anton LaVey satanic thought. So things like people who weren't necessarily self-identify as Satanists, but writers like Milton and Byron and Shelley. Yes, love Shelley. The writings of Anatole France wrote Revolt of the Angels, which is, um, I think, the only book we consider canon. Contrasting, like, the rules and stuff, both are very much pro, like, sexual autonomy. Mm -hmm. But Anton LaVey's version of Satanism and the Church of Satan version of Satanism is a lot more, like, independent and aggressive and assertive, Mm -hmm. whereas um, TST is a lot more focused on compassion and justice and social Mm -hmm. activism. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea of like political action as a sort of um, sacrament with Church of Satan being a little bit more apolitical. Okay. Yeah. I, I won't claim to be like super familiar with either, but I've definitely, I've heard more about the satanic, satanic temple, I think just because of the activism. Oh, one other thing I wanted to sort of ask, like for listeners who are, aren't familiar with Satanism, just I think there's so many misconceptions around it, including who does the Satanic Temple claim Satan is? Is Satan a real entity that you worship? Is it is Satan more an abstract concept? How would how would you describe that in your personal life? Yeah. Especially especially with your background with Lucifer and Lilith when you were into Wicca, like if that connects at all to how you view that today. Yeah, absolutely. Um so Most modern Satanists are uh, atheistic. There are some theistic Satanists, but they're smaller groups and tend to be a bit more independent. Um, But Church of Satan and TST are both atheistic. And I can speak more to TST specifically, but most of us see Satan as not a real figure. We don't worship a literal devil. Um, We see more the literary archetype of Satan, specifically in that sort of more romantic period version of him as an embodiment of a lot of values that we share right so like the rebelling against unjust authority speaking truth to power questioning things valuing science personal autonomy it's just satan is sort of a like a story to structure a lot of that stuff and like a keystone to touch to yeah yeah and we believe we, we do do rituals and stuff more through the scientific like there's scientific evidence that ritual can help people align themselves and more focus in on their goals and stuff. Mm, Yeah. Like we don't believe in like literal supernatural magic and more as like, you know, if you're doing tarot, it's not, the cards aren't magic. You're just looking at archetypes and seeing like, Oh, why does that archetype speak to this moment for me? Right. Yeah. That introspection. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, like, my belief in Lilith and Lucifer when I was Wiccan was always also that more, like, symbolic idea. Like, um, for me, the gods and goddesses were never literally real. They were just, um, like, symbols of natural processes. Like, you know, saying, like, oh, the creator god that is the sun and the goddess of the moon. It's like, okay, yeah, but without the sun, there wouldn't be life. Mm. Without the moon, there, there wouldn't be life because it gives us the tides and things. Right. So, like... They literally do give us the the situation necessary for like life to have been on Earth, mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily believe that they're like supernatural, all knowing, or people who give a shit what I do. They're <laughs> just there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense to me. 
the couple of friends I've had who were Satanists became Satanists mostly because like they were raised Christian in a harmful way and became Satanist as reaction against that Christianity. But from what you're saying, it sounds like it can be so much more than that, yeah. which I like that it's not just a reaction against something, but it's its own movement, even apart from Christianity. Yeah, I think a lot of it is like, it's because of Christianity, but it's not to rile up Christians. It's more a way of us processing trauma that we've gone through, mm. whether it's direct or from living in um, a very like Christian nationalist like society. And like TST specifically is disproportionately queer ah, and disproportionately autistic and neurodivergent. Love it. There's a lot of minorities, and I think it's because we don't benefit from that power structure yeah. um, in the same way. So we end up like needing something and needing a community and needing a framework to deal with being traumatized and being literally demonized for parts of our identity that we didn't choose. Yes. And I think a, a way that like I think Christian believers could more easily understand like where we're coming from is a lot of the ways that we see Satan or a lot of the ways that Christians see Jesus mm. as like this person who spoke truth to power and stood with minorities and poor people mm -hmm. and was a rebel in his own time, mm -hmm. but he was rebelling against a really toxic like Roman state that had its own like embedded religious structure. And I think like, a lot of early Christianity and a lot of early like TST satanic stuff mirrors each other in a lot of really interesting ways. Oh, yeah. So like being in TST and having that religious community has made it and seeing that parallel has made it a lot easier for me to empathize with um, progressive Christians as well because it's uh -huh. it's less baffling to me and I'm like, oh no, I get it now, and uh -huh. and I can more specifically target the issues with Christianity being ones of control and fear and dominance and not specifically the actual religion itself. Right. Oh, I love that. I love that comparison too. And especially like Jesus and Satan both, like you're saying a lot of us who are queer or autistic and so on are literally demonized. Like I've been told that I'm possessed by demons by people before and I'm just like, cool, thanks. But to take that and say, okay, if you're going to say that, then I'm going to look into this devil figure and see what's there. And it's the same with Jesus, right? That Jesus is used against a lot of people. And for some of us, like, you just then you're like okay fine then I want nothing to do with this Jesus I'm gonna walk away and then for others of us it's like okay well I'm gonna see if there's something worth sort of salvaging in this Jesus figure you know like but yeah I, I like that a lot that idea it kind of, it reminds me of and I'm sure you've seen this with um Lil Nas X's latest single uh, Montero yeah just the Christians in all his all his tweets now just being like, oh, you're a Satanist and that means you're a horrible person and all of that. Like, and I don't, I don't think Lil Nas X himself identifies as a Satanist, right? But he was taking religious imagery that was used against him growing up and was like, okay, if you're saying I'm going to go to hell, then I'm going to go to hell and I'm going to take over and I'm going to make it something life-giving to me. Mm -hmm. And there's so much more nuance there, especially when you add in things like race and like, you know, his own background as someone who is gay and raised in Christian spaces. But I feel like there's some parallels there. 
how do you, as someone who is a Satanist, how do you react or like what emotions come up for you when you see something like this song bring the idea of Satanism into the public spotlight in such a negative way? How do you sort of counteract that or take care of yourself when you see that stuff? Um, well, mostly my first reaction seeing the music video was like just understanding because mm-hmm. I, I know where he's coming from in a lot of ways. And like as Satanists, we don't we don't own Satan. Right. Like Christians making like a horror movie and Satan's the bad guy doesn't bother me. Like that doesn't offend me at all. Right. And even if it did, it's not my right to tell other people what they can do with a fictional character that doesn't belong to me. Sure. Yeah. And then as far as like the backlash, I mean, I, I expected it, mm-hmm. especially when he, when he made the shoes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not that he did anything wrong with it. Yeah. Um, because we're in the middle, like completely separate from Lil Nas X entirely. We're in the middle of another satanic panic. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there being a negative backlash was inevitable. There's mm-hmm. nothing he could have done about it. And marginalized people using satan in art has been a thing forever like yeah and then the actual backlash itself yeah it was just it doesn't surprise me at all mm-hmm. i mean it, if these same people are already claiming that there's a secret satanic cabal sacrificing children to harvest their brains oh my gosh. which there has never been evidence for that ever mm-hmm. even in the satanic panic in the 80s when tons of people went to prison and had their lives ruined and children were yeah. traumatized over it there was no evidence for it. And eventually, like, yeah, they had to just say none of this ever happened. Right. Yeah. Like it was, I think one of those was the biggest court case in U.S. history because it lasted for so long. Oh, my gosh. And yeah, not, there was nothing that happened. And it was just prosecutors hurting kids. I'll confess, I have I have no clue about that history. I've not heard about that at all. If you If you'd like to give a little background on that. Yeah. Totally can, especially because it's so relevant. Yeah. Yeah. So um, in the 80s, there was a book released in Canada by a therapist and his patient who then became his wife, which most of us who have been in therapy can see why that's probably a problem. Yeah. There's some power dynamics there. Yeah. Uh, And the book claimed that um, through repressed memory hypnosis therapy, which uh, that's not how memory works. (laughs) She, through him, had been rediscovering memories that she had never remembered before of her family sacrificing children to Satan, abusing her, and like claiming that literally like the Archangel Michael came down from heaven to protect her or whatever. And that's why she couldn't remember things for a while. Mm. But she like a lot of the claims in the book were impossible and easily proven to have not happened because mm-hmm. she was not where she claimed she was. And like, she had never had injuries at school and she was at school every day. So there's no way any of these things could have happened. But for some reason it like took off throughout Canada, but also the U S and worldwide, there was like an entire panic about these secret satanic cults, like secretly kidnapping children and sacrificing them and sex trafficking them, which culminated in the uh, McMartin preschool trial, where it was alleged that the McMartins that owned this preschool were abusing the kids there, 
taking them through hidden tunnels underground to an undisclosed location, sexually abusing them and doing like a whole bunch of really horrible things to them. But like the way all of the evidence was found was through like, um, I think there was one kid who just like had digestive problems one day and his mom freaked the fuck out. And then prosecutors started interviewing these kids, but they would do like really obviously coercive interviews where basically they keep asking leading questions until the kids told them what they wanted to hear. Um, and obviously children will just tell more and more preposterous things if they think they're going to get something out of it. Cause they were like, yeah, they're preschool kids. They're not even like teenagers. They're like five and six years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and a bunch of adults ended up going to prison about it. A lot of the kids later on have a lot of trauma because while the abuse never happened, these memories being implanted in their brain did traumatize them and like being made to think that you were sexually assaulted, even when you weren't is incredibly traumatizing to these kids. Yeah. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's been a history and um, like repressed memory therapy is not considered scientifically valid. And TSD has a whole section called gray faction that fights against false memory therapy stuff and pseudoscience in psychology. Right. Because there's still psychologists today who will, claim that their their patients have been abused by Satanists or abducted by aliens or are victims of MK Ultra and all of these conspiracy theory things that there's no proof for. Mm-hmm. And it really, really harms patients to hear instead of like actual help being told to like freak out more and more and more about these like things that never happened. Wow. And QAnon is like a natural like pre- like to that. Yes. Oh, wow. And just you saying that a lot of what Satanism focuses on is things like empowerment and like, you know, sexual agency. And so to have it sort of flipped as the opposite of, oh, no, they're sexually abusing people and um, all of that. It's just the opposite of what it stands for and the things I've seen Mm -hmm. um, TST get involved with, such as, you know, helping make abortions, you know, legal and safe and possible and stuff like that. I don't know if it's the same in Canada, but like trying to use the sort of legal stuff that privileges Christianity, like, you know, like, oh, you say you should be allowed to have like the Ten Commandments and stuff in the courthouse. Fine. Then we want our stuff in there too. And like things like that. Or like saying like, oh, it's a religious thing that you don't want abortion. Okay, well then we're going to say that being allowed to have an abortion is a, is our religious right. And it's like, good stuff <laughs> yeah we're, we're trying to come up with stuff here in canada it's just really difficult because our laws are really weird um okay because a lot of it's based on like like precedent and case law not so much as the law is written our system's very different because we're like a parliament and we're very based off of like english law and not we're not like a republic so uh, our laws oh, yes. very different and then trying to figure out a legal strategy to like approach these things because we're also not a recognized religion in Canada. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It's very, very difficult to get registered. Like it's province by province in some provinces. It's like, Oh, you have to have be established for like a hundred years before you can get okay. official religious status. Okay. That's a long time. <laughs> yeah. But on the individual <laughs> level, like as long as you have like a religion or a personal creed like you're defended as a religious person even if your religion isn't officially recognized as a group okay but you as an individual are protected so like when i was employed i could always take halloween off Mm. 
Because I just be like, oh, well, I'm a, a Wiccan and a Satanist, so that's my highest holy day. I'm taking Halloween off. Sweet. They had to give me that day off. Okay. Um, the same way they would have to give, like, Jewish people, like, their holidays off or, like, give Christians their holidays off. Yeah, um, yeah. So we have a lot of rights as individual religious people, mm -hmm. but as, like, groups we don't, and it's very difficult to base a lot of these things on an individual level. For sure, yeah. And, like, you can't, like, getting ordained here is not the same as in the U.S. To get ordained to be able to perform marriages, the only way to perform marriages, you either have to be, like, a legal clerk at a city hall, mm -hmm. or you have to be recognized by an official religion. Okay. So in order to do a wedding here, we'd have to like hire someone outside yeah. of our faith to do it yeah. or go to city hall and do it and get like a lawyer to do it, which is very difficult for a lot of like newer faiths to do. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, stuff here is weird and different and it's also hard because like in the U S a lot of things are explicitly religious rules. Yes. Yeah. Whereas here it's just, it's never that explicit. Okay. So it's very difficult to be like, okay, well, you're saying it's your religious right to not have an abortion. So we're going to like, it's not as clear cut. It's like, okay, like we, when we had our sex worker laws changed and they were like criminalizing stuff. Yeah. There were religious, like right evangelicals who argued for it, but yes. we also had feminist groups arguing for it. Swerf's arguing for it. Great. And it's very yeah. difficult then to try and like, be like, oh, it's strictly a religious argument. So we can counter that with a strictly religious argument right. difficult to do right that makes sense isn't it great how our countries are so messed up in different ways yeah uh, with a lot of similar outcomes and i mean yeah and, and it's, they cross pollinate because like a lot of our mm -hmm. like anti-abortion stuff is funded by groups in the u.s oh that's so crappy uh the proud boys come from here in ottawa um, and the satanic panic stuff started here. Like a lot of we, right, yeah. we do a lot of hateful shit quietly because we're too polite to do it in the open. Right. Yeah. And then there's that stereo. Yeah. Yeah. That. <laughs> and then we export it everywhere, and then people Ooh. say the quiet part out loud, and then import it back to us. And oh wow, that is fascinating. <laughs> Would you want to talk a bit about some of the either Satan uh, TST as a whole? Um, when it comes to sort of sexuality and all of that, or for yourself personally, especially since um, you mentioned that you are a sex worker, if that links to you being a Satanist, if it links to being queer, all of that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't think I can speak for TST as a whole, just as like an individual member. Right. But um, I do find that like our tenants really speak to me as a sex worker, especially like one of our tenets is that our body is subject to our own will alone and nobody else's, mm -hmm. which means a lot to me as a sex worker, because I mean, mm -hmm. not only at work when, you know, I have to, I mean, we all do this in like any situation. We, we assert our boundaries and decide what we are and aren't okay with. Mm -hmm. And people might think that's like, oh, with a client, like, yeah, but also like, oh, what? what am I okay offering? Like what rates am I okay with? Like right. mm -hmm. what is, do, am I okay working? Like how often do I want to work? Like when you're self-employed, there's a lot of like, yeah. it's both easier to take time off and harder because there's no one to tell you to stop. Yes. Yeah. But so, so there's that, but I mean, I think for the most part, the way Satanism sort of ties into sex work and my sexuality is more to do with like fighting against um, like unjust laws and things. Specifically, like, criminalization of sex work is really common. Right. Even, like, 
what sex workers often call backdoor criminalization, which is like the Nordic model or end-demand model where they criminalize our clients and third parties and us working together to be safe and working indoors and basically anything that we do. Yeah. But they say it's, oh, it's it's to stop pimps. Well, I mean, okay, but define pimp. Mm. A lot of times, like the definition of pimp is like, okay, anyone who benefits or gets money from a sex worker Mm. that came from her selling sex. Mm -hmm. Okay, so my landlord, my roommate, (laughs) my friends, if I help them, like, right. So like, for me, the the idea of like, following science and scientific evidence, and not letting my beliefs distort the facts, and making sure that bodily autonomy is respected, and following compassion and justice over the written word, all kind of tie into that as far as sex work goes. And then also with like trans issues as well, because like, I mean, the US right now and the UK, all over the world, there's always new legislation that bans trans people from getting the healthcare that we need, or at least stopping us from getting it in like a timely fashion, like everybody else is entitled to. Yes. So like fighting against laws that make us have to like, disclose in certain situations that aren't safe for us or that mandates us like having gender signifiers on our ID that don't match or make us jump through hoops that cis people don't have to to get married and all that stupid shit yeah yeah all of that also like the tenants and my idea of satan kind of help me structure how I face that stuff Mm -hmm. because I'm obviously against it but kind of filtering it through Satan being like, okay, but what's the compassionate thing to do? Mm, mm-hmm. What is going to be effective and worth my time? Like what respects the rights of other people and doesn't step on other people? Um, because I, I never want to be like, oh, it has to be this particular way and you have to speak a certain way Yes, as like a blanket thing because th- those rules always turn back on us. Mm-hmm. Like not just Satanists, but trans people in general. Like, mm-hmm. like, Turf is a slur is like the perfect example of <laughs> turning reasonable don't be a bigot rules back on the victims of bigotry. Hmm. Would you mind for any listeners who aren't familiar with what the turf is a slur thing to explain that? Yeah, I mean, I guess turf is a slur is a thing turfs say because what it stands for is trans exclusionary radical feminist. Um And these people all define themselves as radical feminists and they exclude trans people from their feminism. Yeah. So they just are TERFs. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just an acronym. And even early on in like uh, feminist studies, literature and stuff, they self-identified as TERFs until being a TERF was no longer mainstream Mm. and being a transphobe started to be less okay. Yeah. You started having consequences to it. And then they're like, oh, then I'm not going to say that anymore. Yeah. And these same radical feminists will call themselves like gender critical or, but they'll also call themselves kink critical because being Mm. anti-sex is slut shaming and not cool anymore. Right. And it's very difficult to say police what a woman does in the bedroom and then blanket that in feminism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They have to use very oblique terms to sort of change what they're actually talking about Mm. so they cloak things in feminist language but it's not it's not very good feminism if it's feminism at all (laughs) yeah because it's it's not really looking towards the rights of all women or you know it's um 
it's specifically for yeah certain women yeah yeah it's it's weird how that gets sort of all tied up together so that people who sort of claim to be feminists and looking out for women's rights end up having similar ideologies to the kinds of people that we would say are very much anti-women's rights yeah and it's also interesting to me because a lot of them will talk about trans women being lesbophobic or attacking lesbians but there is nothing that is more harmful to most cis lesbians than anti-trans bathroom bills Mm -hmm. because a lot of cis female lesbians don't look gender conforming and I've had mm-hmm. plenty of like lesbian friends and family members get attacked in bathroom because people think they're trans. Right. And get targeted too. Yeah. I um how does sort of um I know like um Steven, who is the one who gave me your contact info, says that you're a satanic community organizer. Is this is um is all of this sort of involved in that organizing work you do or or what is that? More or less, I just, there's like a a local group in Toronto and I just uh, help do like administrative stuff. We run events and we do meetings and have like community stuff, which is all online right now, obviously. But yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's it's just mainly just facilitating for other people. So the, the very like sort of literal organization that is required to keep things running. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm just so curious about sort of if you join the Satanic Temple what does that look like for you on a weekly basis or a monthly basis when it comes to reaching out to other Satanists and gathering and things like that? Um, I mean, obviously during COVID, like we're in lockdown. Yeah. Ontario is not doing great. Um, but, uh, so right now, like it's mostly socializing on Facebook and private discord groups and that sort of thing. And then we have like official meetings where we'll like Toronto is really great about, digging into like practical philosophical stuff. Mm -hmm. So we've done meetings like applying the tenants to things like gun control or smoking bans or yeah, like that sort of stuff. Like we'll, we'll pick a topic and then apply a tenant to it. And like, we try and pick things that we're not all in agreement because like for bodily autonomy, yeah, we could have just picked abortion, but we all agree on that. That's not really that interesting. Yeah. (laughs) But talking about smoking bans, like that's a little bit more contentious and makes us have to like Mm -hmm. think a little bit harder about what would be compassionate to everybody in those circumstances. Like people who smoke might, they, they have addiction, like that's a health concern. Like you have to be compassionate to them. And then people who have lung issues that can't be around smoke. Yes. There's like a lot of people's needs that need to be balanced there. Yeah. So like we've been trying to do that. And then in the before times, we also, we would have these meetings in public sort of, we had like a semi-private location in a basement below a bar that was like super cool and like knew, knew what we were doing and liked us. And I hope to God after all this, they're still there because they were great. Yeah. And then we do like coffee shop meetups every once in a while. Um, We do rituals for holidays or if, special events and stuff like during covid i think we had like a destruction ritual to deal with our like feelings of like grief mm-hmm. during this and we're like definitely planning on doing like another one after to sort of because this is really hard to handle and like yes. doing a ritual to sort of group process all of this together i think will be really nice yeah yeah so it's it's not too dissimilar from like us what christians normally do except for it's a little bit less structured mm-hmm. and we obviously don't get to have a our own building for it it's it's a very creative religion like yeah each each group's structure is going to be very very different 
um, the way we approach ritual is different. Like, I know, like, the, the kinds of rituals that are needed in, like, the southern U.S. and the sort of rituals that are needed up here in Canada are going to be different. Our issues are different. Right. So we're, we're very open to, like, different interpretations. Like, there's, I think my group's doing, like, a book report on different aspects of Satan right now. Ooh, fun. And people definitely see see different aspects completely differently. Like, the way that, like, cis Satanists see Baphomet and the way that I do are very different. Ooh, uh-huh. Like, we all love Baphomet, but Baphomet for some is, like, you know, the merging of the opposites of, like, humanity and our more animalistic natures, or it's a b- bunch of, like, unification of opposites, which is what the symbol's supposed to be. But as a trans person, seeing a dude with tits, with a goat head, uh-huh. I mean, I can't help but put gender into that. Yeah, that there's something sort of resonant to you. And it's very nice having religion a non-binary god involved or yeah. like a non-binary aspect that's embedded in the structure of the thing. Absolutely. And so then you're able to bring sort of your unique insight into that and discuss with people who have other different insights when we're able to sort of bring our own contexts into the conversation is when it gets really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think I think everyone has their own personal interpretation of at least for us religious people like our own interpretation of our god or our archetype or whatever right i think just the the religions that are the healthiest are the ones that acknowledge and work with that subjective reality Mm -hmm. rather than trying to pretend like everyone sees the same god right yeah i think every christian's like relationship with jesus is very personal to them Mm -hmm. and can vary like i've i have Christian friends of mine who see Jesus very much the same way I do Satan, where they don't see Jesus as a real God figure, but they still worship him as like this archetype of rebellion. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some that see him as more focused on compassion, some more on like social, like good works. And it's just important to be honest that like, we need different things from our gods at different times. And that's, that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there anything that you were sort of hoping to talk about that um, you want to bring up? Um, I guess we could get a little bit more into like gender stuff specifically. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I don't often get to talk to, like I have uh, one friend of mine who's uh, non-binary and Christian, but we don't talk like super deep about stuff because they're incredibly busy with like work and transition stuff right now. <laughs> but I find like... Like, uh, my one ex-girlfriend headcanons Jesus as a trans man, and it makes me incredibly happy. <laughs> Same. Because she's like, he's, he's, he's 30, and he lives in the Middle East, but, like, he's a genetic clone of his mother, and his beard's not very good. <laughs> and he hangs out with sex workers. He sounds exactly like every trans man I've ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's so fun. How about you? What are some gender stuff you bring into these conversations? Um, I mean, like... Baphomet's like the super duper easy one mm-hmm. of being like more masculine, but has breasts and, mm-hmm. um, and that's why like the, the satanic temple ta- statue that we tried to put up does not have breasts because we did not want, we wanted the, the argument around it to be about religious speech and not to get into like obscenity 
So no uh, boobs. Yeah. A lot of like yeah. trans women in the temple were a little bit disappointed about that, but like mm-hmm. I I have top surgery coming up at some point when COVID lets me. Yay. Um, Yay. And yeah, I just tech in that particular one as a trans dude instead of a trans woman. And I was like, okay, so like you can't tell what's underneath his robe. So Right. Yeah. And yeah. uh so like there's that obvious one, but um there was actually an interpretation of Lilith that I read like way back in my Wiccan days that I really, really liked, which is that Lilith and Lucifer are the same person and they're just fluid. So that like Lilith, Lilith meeting with like Samael, like the archangel of death or whatever, like it's not so much mating as it's like gender switching. Hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's why like she didn't want to lie beneath Adam because she was not. Yeah. It's like, no, I'm not inferior to you. I'm a switch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. We should probably briefly explain who Lilith is for anyone who's not familiar with her. Yeah, true. (laughs) So Adam's first partner, right, before Eve, is that the most basic? Yeah. And it came out of um, like a Jewish... Uh, rabbinical discussion over why there's two Genesis stories, one where man and woman is created at the same time and one where woman is created after man from the rib. Oh my gosh, I didn't. So Lilith is the woman who was created at the same time. Yeah. In that in that sort of discussion. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize it. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. Yeah, there's like a whole, I think a, a thing I've always loved. I have a Jewish aunt and uh, I got to go to synagogue with her once and mm. Um, a thing I've always loved about, especially like Reform Judaism, is uh, the fact that like discussion and debate around what things actually meant is like mm-hmm. part of the religious tradition. And like, um, I think there's like a whole book of like the history of these discussions, and that's considered as canon as the Torah itself. Like it's they're together, both holy books. Um, so yeah, like Lilith is kind of from that secondary text and not from like the old testament itself right um she's loosely inspired by i think a priestess to anana from like babylonian mm-hmm. myth mm-hmm. and yeah so the idea was that she was uh adam's first wife uh refused to be submissive to him yeah fled eden uh, and refused to come back, spoke God's true name, and then was like banished, and then ended up mating with Satan or Samael or Lucifer or whoever, um, and was then the mother of demons. She would also be blamed for stillbirth, oh. um, for men's nocturnal emissions. Oh my gosh. Wet dreams. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or if babies laughed when there was no one there, like in their cribs, it was supposed to be Lilith playing with them. And you were supposed to, the two angels that tried to bring Lilith back to Eden, Mm -hmm. she'd made a deal with them that she wouldn't touch any human babies that had their symbols. So you put these little angelical Mm -hmm. symbols on your babies and Lilith would leave them alone. And that was supposed to prevent like babies from dying in the crib and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So she was like the original succubus. And and that's why like she was also the original incubus as well, because she would lie with men as a succubus to take their seed and then lie with women as an incubus Amazing. to then impregnate them and breed wow. her demon children because she was sterile or something. Mm-hmm. Some readings of the myth. Yeah. So, I mean, 
if you want to read Incubus and Succubus as genders, then she's gender fluid. And yeah. if you want to lead, read them as top and bottom as positions, then she's just a switch. But Sure. Yeah. Both is good. Oh, wow. That's so fascinating. Um, I really like that. I'm going to have to look more into Lilith now. Because um, that's really, I, I love that, I, that your idea that of sort of seeing Lilith and Lucifer as as one. Yeah. I, I really like the idea of like, like having different names for different genders because like I have I have friends who do that who like have like one name when they're one gender and one name when they're another gender because makes them better. oh right um and then just extending that to like Satan and being like oh well Satan because Satan has so many different names mm-hmm. and be like oh it's just different genders different days yeah and that makes a lot of sense in sort of a mythology where like so many different mythologies will have figures where when they come as sort of one manifestation of themselves, they get this name. Yeah. And then as another manifestation, they get this name to like connect it to gender based yeah. on what gender they're hoping to convey. And it definitely like thinking of it that way also like helps me with my gender presentation because I, I feel comfortable being femme, but only when I'm a very particular horror monster. Ah vampire girl kind of femme. <laughs> yeah yeah like i get very very gothy when i'm like when i feel femme and feeling like this sort of like monstrous demonic woman is like where i feel comfortable being femme whereas like lucifer to me reads very much as like sort of like a philosopher king huh. who's just who would definitely just wear like whatever was comfy mm-hmm. because not being comfy is not very logical and you need to be able to sit for long periods of time having these really stupid debates. <laughs> yeah. Which also meshes very well with like when I'm feeling more mask, I'm just like sweatpants and a t-shirt. Nope. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, is there anything with your, your own like gender identity or yeah, like that those different forms of your presentation that go into your sex work? If you want to talk about that. Yeah, I'm totally open talking about that. I've actually... Um, been pretty open with being like gender fluid and stuff Mm. i was a sex worker before but like once i figured it out i was like Uh open on my work twitter being like hey i'm having like gender feelings and stuff (laughs) i great most of my clients are pretty nerdy and fairly queer of center anyway so it's not it hasn't been a big deal and i tend to i i tend to be more femme at work just because like it's easier because i am sort of performing like a a role Right. And I'm like trying to fulfill a fantasy and it's about like fulfilling someone's sexual needs and making them comfortable. Mm-hmm. But I have had clients where like got taken to see a Star Wars movie. I'm like, I would really love to go see stars or Star Wars with you, but I want to be in Han Solo cosplay. Is that okay? Yes. And he's like, hell yeah. As long as you hold my hand, I don't care what gender you are. Oh, um, heck yeah. And I had another client of mine, my absolute favorite regular um, bought me uh D dice sets for my birthday one year uh-huh. Uh-huh. and it was the non-binary flag and the uh pan flag oh that's so sweet yeah it was one of the like cutest things ever and um he's like the, the absolute best client like having like fellow queer people as clients is just the best mm-hmm. and a lot of my clients are like really supportive um and then with like my modeling and stuff like they're all really great and really supportive i'm really lucky that like a lot of my following is transitioning with me um, and they're following me as I like transition more. And like, I've told them about getting top surgery and they're really excited for me. 
Yay. Yeah. But like the thing I did want to say is like there is a market for every every body, every gender identity. It's just different niches and you right. market yourself towards the people who are going to like you for you. Mm-hmm. It might seem like there's more of a market for like the more traditionally attractive, like the idea of like if you see a sex worker on a movie, like what you think they like. Yes. But there's less of a market for that than you think there is. Hmm. And there's less girls that look like that in the industry than you think. Right. And in real life in general. (laughs) Yeah. Like a lot of people in the industry are just kind of like your average person. And Mm -hmm. people are successful based on either a skill they have or their personality or whatever. That's kind of the thing that like has people come back is who you are. Mm -hmm. Because like anyone, anyone can look like a supermodel, but like with enough Photoshop and and makeup, but true. Yeah. Holding a conversation for an hour or like being comfortable with someone being that vulnerable with you is like something that can be really hard. Um, so yeah, Yeah. I've been, I've been super lucky that people have been supportive, but yeah, it's a, it's definitely a question that like people in my industry have asked who are cis when I was like Mm -hmm. saying I was going to get top surgery. They're like, Oh, what's going to happen with your business? I'm like, just a different niche. Yeah. Like I'm already heavily tattooed. Right. And goth. Uh-huh. And uh, curvier than, than a lot of other girls. So, I mean, my market's already different anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, if someone in my city wants a blonde goth, um, like, kinky submissive, I'm one of, like, three options. So, uh-huh. <laughs> so I mean, depending what someone wants, I'm the one that's there. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean... I guess the only downside is like sometimes clients will have a little bit of a panic thinking that like, Oh, if I'm attracted to you, does that make me gay? Hmm. And my, my answer to that is always, well, like depends on what, how you define being straight. If you define straight as only being attracted to women, then yeah, you're gay. Sorry. (laughs) Um, But if you define straight as like if heterosexual strictly means I'm attracted to genders that are different enough from my own. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I'm not a cis man. So is that different enough for you? Yeah. Does different enough have to be cis woman or like a specific kind of like high femme presentation? In which case, yeah, I'm probably not different enough. Yeah. But if like tomboys are different enough for you, if like me being gender fluid is different enough yeah. from your gender for you, then yeah, you're still straight. Like I don't, I don't see how that's incompatible. I think finding a way to explain to them that they don't have to rethink everything they are and have a crisis of identity in order to still respect who I am. Like Mm -hmm. there's a way that they can be straight men and still honor my actual gender identity. And those things don't have to be conflicting. Yeah. They don't have to misgender me to feel okay. And they don't have to like panic because they're respecting me. Like there's a, there's a balance where you can do both. Yeah, I like that a lot. Like, I think straight men who are able to think about that and understand that will become better straight men, you know, like they'll be more decent people. So I like that way of thinking of it, like broadening what any label has to mean for what, what do you want it to mean for you? Yeah. And it also helps me just not feel misgendered when someone says they're straight. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because First of all, their sexual identity probably has nothing to do with me anyway. Like, true, yeah. How they label themselves might 
I might be an exception. Like it doesn't necessarily mean that they're seeing me any particular way. Sure. And it means that I don't have to worry about what my clients and also like my partners think their sexuality is like what label fits them best. I, I actually, I feel like I'm going to keep thinking about like, I'm enjoying this conversation just thinking about my own gender and sexuality stuff. So I'm probably going to keep thinking about that. So thank you. And just, I really appreciate you just um, sharing a little bit about the work you do. I just, I think for me, learning more about sex work in order to be a better advocate for sex workers is something I've only sort of just recently embarked on. So it's really helpful just hearing you share some stuff that um, challenges assumptions that I think I had without even realizing I had, you know, so... Um, so hopefully I think listeners will also get something out of it as well. Um, what I usually close with, and I think I'm going to make it a little broader for you, it's usually a sort of any words, like last words of wisdom you want to share with trans persons of faith listening. Um, I would also, if there's anything you would like to share with anyone who is interested in sort of learning more about or exploring Satanism or sex work um, or gender stuff, like if you have any sort of advice or encouragement for them as they do that, that would be awesome. Yeah, um, I guess like specifically for trans people of faith, mm -hmm. I would just say that other people's idea of your gender don't define who you are and other people's idea of what your faith is don't define who you are. You know what you believe, you know who you are. You don't need everyone to see that for it to be true. People can be wrong. Yeah. I mean, there, there are people out there who still think the earth is flat. <laughs> Sadly true, yeah. You don't need to care about what they think about their, about your gender. They, <laughs> their opinion doesn't matter. Yeah. All that matters is what your opinion on your gender is, and then you having the rights that you deserve. Yeah. And. We can all work on that together, right? So I think rights matter more than more than being seen as much as like it feels like being seen is like the most critical thing because it hurts when you're not. Right. But especially you're you're right, like by random strangers who have so many horrible ideas anyway. Yeah. I think as long as you have like a couple people who see you as who you are and you have that like decent support network. Yes. The rights thing and having access to what you need is more important and helps you cope in a world because like there's always going to be an asshole yes and having having the resources you need to be able to live in a world full of assholes <laughs> is is what we need mm -hmm. we need the surgeries we need we need the health care we need the hormones that we need and if if some lady on twitter wants to say something mean i have a block button yes yeah <laughs> it doesn't matter as long as i have the rights that i need mm -hmm. like their opinions only matter when they get in the way of our rights hmm. um and then as far as like exploring Satanism or sex work or anything like that, um, the best advice I can give you is finding people who are living that thing, mm -hmm. especially people who are living that thing, who have a similar background to you, who can mm -hmm. explain it in terms that you'll understand. Like Stephen Bradford Long is a great place for Christians, especially like evangelical Christians and like the faithful to learn more about Satanism because he comes from a Christian background and he's going to be able to right. like the analogy I have about Satan being like Jesus came from him. Mm, okay. I never believed in Jesus. I couldn't right. made that connection myself. Yeah. Yeah. And like, if you're 
disabled and you want to learn about sex work, learning from disabled sex workers is going to yeah. teach you a lot more than learning from an able-bodied sex worker. Like for me, learning about sex worker rights, it's always been more important to listen to other disabled sex workers, other trans sex workers, um, and sex workers of color, especially versus like the, the sex workers who are like, well, I'm paying off my PhD. It's like, great. <laughs> I don't, your experience of sex work is not going to be anything like mine. Cause like I started yeah. as I was disabled and couldn't work anywhere anymore and it was poor mm-hmm. and like, yeah, I like my job, but it's not entirely relevant. But yeah, so I think the the best is to find someone who is similar enough to you that they can speak your language about the thing that you don't understand mm-hmm. and who seem to show a lot of compassion for other people and like other perspectives. And yeah, always listening to people who who like are more marginalized than you about the thing too. Right. Because there will be things you wouldn't even think about that they'll point out. Yeah. And I guess like the biggest lesson is just like we all fuck up we all make mistakes and that's that's part of the process of learning and Mm -hmm. like that's okay like you not knowing about satanism like that's totally fine yeah i didn't either before i was a satanist i had no idea yeah (laughs) i didn't know anything about trans stuff until i was like learning from trans people and talking to trans people and now i'm trans too because like you know, that helped me figure my shit out. And like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know anything about race when I grew up in an all white town. Mm-hmm. It took like actually like having access to the internet and then moving mm-hmm. to the city and like actually learning from people to get what racism is. So like, as long as you're approaching it with an open mind and open ears and an open heart, then you're going to do fine. Many thanks to Azura for sharing their time and knowledge. And thanks to you, lovely listener, for joining the conversation. If you want to support Blessed Are the Binary Breakers, the best way to do so is to tell other people about it. Rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes is also extremely helpful. Also, if you are trans or non-binary yourself and belong to a religion besides Christianity, I would love to have you on the show. This podcast has been pretty Christian-heavy so far this year, and I want to be able to lift up the stories of trans folks of all faiths. So reach out to me at queerlychristian36 at gmail.com if you are interested in sharing some of your story on the show. And I'll remind you again about the call for submissions, specifically about name changes. That's open to people of any religious background. Get those stories into me by September 15th to be featured in that special episode. I can't wait to hear your stories. That's it for now. I hope that this coming month brings you rest, revitalization, and whatever else you need right now. And I hope you'll join me, however you can, in breaking some binaries and being a blessing to the world with your life.